Okay, we are going to be in Genesis this semester. Um, So tonight is a little bit of a preview sermon, as this is a little bit of a preview large group. Um, And uh, so we're going to kind of soft launch into Genesis. And I'm really only going to try to do one thing tonight. Uh, It's kind of a a, a one-point sermon here. Um, And... uh, uh, I'm just trying to like till the ground a little bit and uh, get you curious uh, for what we're going to talk about the rest of the semester. And the one point that I'm trying to make is really a question that I'm going to try to answer. And the question is just this. Why does creation matter? Uh, why does creation matter? So we're going to try to answer and we're going to do it with uh, three reasons. So um, I think that that question is an important one and a good one. To ask because we are 21st century people, right? So uh, we hold in our hands like pretty unimaginable technology. Uh, We have sent people to the moon. We have conquered basically every square inch of this earth that we've wanted to, and we have mined its mysteries, uh, though not all of them, through science. And so, why should we really care? Why should we care about creation? Um, I think there are a lot of reasons, of course, and we'll probably talk about a lot of them this semester. But the one that sticks out to me more than any other is this, that you should care about creation because you are living in a story. You're living in a story. And that is a distinctly Christian idea um, that there is a purpose, an end, a, a telos to, to who you are and to the things that are happening in this world that we live in. That's what Christianity says. It says that you are a part of a meta narrative. You're part of an overarching story with God as its author. And if that's true, then to understand really any story, then you have to go back to the beginning. And... Um, you know, I think that there's something in us that is drawn to that. Somehow we like really like origin stories. We even have like a name for them, origin stories. We love hearing about how uh, this company or that company started in somebody's garage. It's always interesting to me. Um, I don't think I'm doing anything that important in my garage on any given day. Uh, every superhero, every villain, Uh, Their origin story makes them more believable and it helps us put the pieces together to understand them and who they are. And I think that the same is true for us, that we need an origin story. And Genesis claims to be that story. So uh, it claims to be the ultimate origin story, that it's it's my story. It's your story. uh, The whole world's from those that came before you to your children's children's children, all of those stories, in fact, all stories everywhere, uh, Christians think are rooted in this one that begins here. And Genesis, by the way, means beginning. So um, th- we know there are a lot of ways to start a story. Uh, you can say once upon a time, uh, you can say long ago. Those are kind of like the stock beginnings. And then we have like more particular uh, beginnings, uh, famous phrases like call me Ishmael or uh, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Um, But all of them really pale in comparison to this one, to this first verse, uh, which is the only one we're looking at tonight. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, before we jump in, let me pray for us. Um, God, uh, we ask that you would meet us here as we talk about creation um, and that um, you would show us good things from your word, even from this one verse, uh, things that would encourage us and show us who we are, who you made us to be. And we pray that you would do all this for your glory and in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so screenwriters and novelists, like anybody that that sort of does stories for a living will tell you that there are five elements, five elements to a story. There's character, there is setting, there's plot and and conflict and resolution. And so uh, the incredible thing I think about Genesis is that we we get almost all of those elements like very quickly, actually in just the first three chapters of Genesis. You get character, you get setting and conflict. They're all right there. And the other two, uh, which will be plot and resolution, I think are hinted at so strongly and implied so strongly that uh, it's, it's really more we could say more properly that they are prophesied. Okay. And so Genesis one through three is sort of like this, this central like load bearing beam in the house of, of the story that scripture is trying to build. So you cannot really properly understand all that comes after. If you don't understand this book of the Bible, um, you know, we can take another angle on it as well. So a lot of theologians think, uh, that the Bible is like a four act play. You got creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And uh, I happen to think that that is true, but if, if you look at Genesis, actually the first two acts happen very quickly. Creation in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, the fall in Genesis 3, but also immediately after the fall is the first word of redemption, which we'll talk about, uh, Genesis 3, 17, uh, it also in right there in the beginning, and uh, that even whispers like this this idea of the restoration of all things. So all of the elements of the story are here. In fact, I don't think it's too much to say. Uh, my professor, one of my professors, John Currid, um, uh, when I was in seminary, said that almost every important Christian doctrine is contained in seed form in the book of Genesis. Okay, the book of beginnings. That's why Genesis is so important. We'll talk a lot about this this seed idea. And so that actually is the first reason why I think you should care about creation. Because Genesis is the beginning of the story of this world. It's the beginning of the story of you. Second, uh, why should we care about creation? Why does it matter? Um, I think because it tells us very important things about God and about who he is. So if you look at Genesis 1-1 again, uh, it's, it sounds very short, very simple. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But uh, there's actually a lot in this that, that we can learn, that we can know about God. So here's just three things that we can know about God just from Genesis 1-1. First, at the, very at the very beginning of the Bible, if you notice, God is not argued for. Uh, he is not like introduced. He's not kind of eased out on stage. He's just stated as a fact in the beginning, God, he's, he is stated as one who is already there. And so in the beginning, again, God, 
And thus we are told right here in Genesis 1-1, immediately, as soon as we open the Bible, that God is eternal. He's always been there. What is God's origin story? He doesn't have one. He's always been there. So that's the first thing. Second, um, and there's an outline in your bulletin, by the way. I think. Yeah. Um, second, and this will become more clear later in chapter one. God did not need anything to create the world. He simply spoke and the world came into being. Theologians call this creation ex nihilo. I think that's Latin. I don't know. But somebody can. Yeah, I'm getting a knowing nod over here. Thank you. Uh, out, it means out of nothing. So you and I, if we're going to create something, we need material, right? We, um, you know, if you're a, a carpenter needs wood, a chip maker needs uh, silicone, silicon, <laughs> an artist needs brushes or clay. You have to have something to make with. God didn't need anything except the word of his power to create the heavens and the earth. In this phrase, by the way, God created the heavens and the earth. It sounds like the Bible is saying that God created like, you know, earth and sky. And uh, that is true. He did. But it's actually saying that God created everything. So this is a literary device called a mirrorism. Uh, which we see often in the Bible. And, and this is a very famous one. So uh, it means, it, it uses like one thing on each end to mean those and everything in between them. Okay? So it's like saying that you searched high and low. What do you mean by that? You mean you searched everywhere. Um, and so this verse is saying that God created, when it says God created the heavens and the earth, it's saying that God created all things. And that also means, thirdly, that as creator, God is in control of all things because everything belongs to its, its maker. And that's why uh, Charles Spurgeon, the English pastor, said this. He said, <clears throat> I believe that every particle of dust that dances in the sunbeam does not move an atom more or less than God wishes. That every particle of spray that dashes against the steamboat has its orbit as well as the sun in the heavens. That the chaff from the hand of the winnower is steered as the stars in their courses. The creeping of an aphid over the rosebud is as much fixed as the march of the devastating pestilence. The fall of, of sear leaves, that just means dry leaves, uh, from a poplar is as fully ordained as the tumbling of an avalanche. So all of it, God is in control of all of it. And uh, the rest of the Bible ma- makes clear God is not like a watchmaker, right? He doesn't just wind it up and then leave it alone. Uh, he didn't wind this world up to let it go. He is actively involved all the time in everything, in everything in your life, upholding his creation. Hebrews tells us, speaking of Jesus, upholding his creation by the word of his power. We call that God's providence. That's his, his sovereign control over all things, his preserving and, and governing of the world and everything in it up to and including you. And that's the third reason that you should care about creation, because by understanding it, you can understand yourself in a way that uh, you cannot without knowing this, this beginning. So uh, I think, you know, I'm sure you have a sense of this. You are a complex creature, right? We are all complex in our own ways. We have hopes and dreams 
and desires. We have weaknesses and sin struggles and addictions. We have like gut level inclinations and we have paths sort of that our minds follow uh, again and again that like we don't even really know. Like, why am I always thinking about this or that? Um, All those things about you actually begin here. You as a, a person begin here. And you also have a body, right? And, and that's wrapped up in this as well, that you are not a soul only. You are not just like a spirit kind of floating around. Um, God made you an embodied creature. And Genesis can help you understand the, the purpose of your body and the pitfalls of your body and what God plans for it one day. <clears throat> and finally... Um, if it's true that, that you're a part of a story, uh, a part of a, a meta narrative, then I think that you probably have a sense of that. You have a sense that uh, you have a story, a sense of right and wrong, a sense of, uh, uh, well, a conscience, a, a natural law imprinted on you. And that means that you have a purpose that I'm sure at this point in your life you are trying to understand. I'm 37, I'm kind of still trying to understand, right? And so um, if that is true, then, then creation means a lot. <laughs> it, like, if you want to know what is the point, why am I here, why is anything here, what should I do with my life, the answers to those questions begin in this deceptively simple sentence. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And those answers, if you really want true answers, can only come from an understanding of who God is, of of why and how he created the world and all that is in it, and and what he desires for your life. And so I said that this verse can tell us a lot uh, about God and about you. One of the things it tells us is that he is the creator, capital C, Backward C, capital C, and you are the creature, lowercase c. That might sound like kind of pejorative to you, like I'm just a, a creature, you know, just a creature. But I, I would encourage you to not let that wording fool you because I think it's obvious, e- even in our world, that the, um, the value of something is tied up in its creator, right? A Rembrandt is going to be worth way, way more than the really good paintings that I did uh, as a child in my painting lessons during the summer. My mom was trying to find something for me to do. Um, and I made some good stuff, I'll tell you. But uh, that's not like worth a Rembrandt. Why? Because I made it. It's different if he made it. And because of that, if this creation story is true, then by virtue of your creator that you are of, it, it means that you are of incalculable value. Think about that. Like this idea that, that you are some sort of accident, that is like a lie from hell. It is not true. It's a terrible thing to, to think that. Don't believe it. You in your mind and heart and body were, were actually crafted and fashioned and honed by the creator, the ultimate creator, the God of the universe. And so why does creation matter? 
um, because of it, you matter. You matter. Yourself has a creator. Your story has an author. And if that is true, if you believe that, it will transform your life. It'll give you an identity. It'll give you a purpose. It'll give you someone to worship. And in that, to find ultimate fulfillment. Like the the fulfillment that we are all looking for, uh, that that we're looking for, right, in in money, in status, in family, in, in work performance, all these things. Those things are qualitatively different than knowing who made you and what you're for. It's, it's something totally different. These things that we, we kind of grab at to try to find our meaning when so much of it is found right here, even in just this first verse. But of course, um, if, you know, this is just the beginning of the story, uh, the very beginning, in fact. So there's far, far more. Uh, for one, we have to talk about the problem There is no story without a conflict, right? And there's definitely a conflict that happens pretty quickly in Genesis uh, in the early chapters. So Genesis 1-1 tells us a lot, but it doesn't really tell us our problem, and thus it doesn't tell us our solution. We need the rest of Genesis for that, and that is what we're going to talk about this semester at RUF on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m., normally in the Blue Auditorium. Okay, let me pray for us.